All right. So, Lucifer, Season 5, spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Season 5, Part 2, spoilers. Spoiler alert. Turn off this thing if you have not seen Lucifer Season 5 yet. Okay. So, incredibly sad and funny at the same time um, in in aspects uh, Dan detective douche gets killed oh my god that's sad now now Admenadiel says we can't I can't find him in heaven but he never searched hell now they just assume Detective Dan is in hell, but they never searched hell. Although, who knows? Maybe he is in hell. But, but, they left that as a huge gap of unknowing. They also have a guy who actually escaped hell by facing his his fears and regrets and everything. And so, so who knows? I am positive Detective Dan is going to show up in season six right there's going to be a real serious storyline there and i think somehow things are going to end up okay for him i think it's terrible that trixie grows up without a dad so you know it's like too much for that family to keep growing up without a dad i don't like that something's got to happen so also i was right about my guess about Lucifer and God retiring and everything. Super like how they handled that. I think that's kind of cool. I really do. I like that. I like that whole storyline. I got kind of pissed off in how they killed off Chloe. Just to, I mean, I get it. They had to have her die to force Lucifer to go into heaven. And then she comes back. Um, just, it was clunky writing. It was clunky writing and a clunky action scene. Wasn't the worst. They save it because she comes back to life and beats the living shit out of Michael, right? That was cool. I mean, it was really cool. Because, you know, Lucifer isn't a fighter. He's a lover. As he said many times. Although he will fight. He will try to fight. He's just not really good at it. He always gets his ass kicked. You know? So... Chloe is a detective. She's a policewoman. She trains to fight all the time. She knows physical stuff. She, I like the fact that she melted down the demon metal to fit in her gun. I, I, all of that was pretty good. They should have used her gun more as a scene of hide-and-seek with M Michael before she gets killed. See, that's why I don't like how she got killed. But again, she's brought back to life. Like, immediately. So... Yeah, I can let it slide. I just would have handled it differently. Would have handled it better. I uh, I can understand how under a time crunch and getting this show out that they just said fuck it, let's just get it done. It felt like a fuck it, let's get it done type of situation. They won't give. They won't care. The fans won't care about how she died because she's going to be right back to life. So it's not a non. So it's a non-issue. All right, I get that. Um, by the way, you're in good hands with Allstate, right? <laughs> uh, anyway, um, 
I don't know. I, I'm pumped for season six. It will be the last season. Uh, it was always meant to be the last season. I don't like the idea that when angels die... When angels die, they're gone forever. I don't like that idea because they establish that angels have souls, right? And that's the big difference between demons and angels. Angels have souls, demons don't, okay? Well, except demons can grow their own souls. So how come that uh, a, a death sword, Azaziel's sword, or whatever her name is, uh, it just automatically kills people? See, I, I th- death, that little pixie of a character, death, pretty sure she knows way more about what's going to happen and what's going on. And I can't see her just losing her sword and not giving a shit about it. And letting all her brothers and sisters get killed, right? So there's got to be some sort of heaven or something like a waiting room or something like that for the angels and who, who wind up dying. Um, in a lot of ways, I am... I don't know. It, it, there... I gotta discuss something about LGBT characters in fiction. A lot of times they are handled very poorly. I think Maze's relationship with Eve is is decent enough. But a lot of times they really try and force the issue of Oh, it's so, so hard being L- being a lesbian. And so, so hot as a lesbian or bisexual. Actually, uh, Maze and and, uh, Eve are bisexual. Because, I mean, they love men and women. They love each other right now. Oh, oh, it's so, so difficult. Oh, but together we can find salvation. That type of thing that you usually have. Eh, they don't really have that. And I'm glad they don't. Because that that gets old really fucking fast. Um, Not that I'm diminishing LGBT um, discrimination. That stuff is real. But all the LGBT people I know, I've never known of any... Well, no, I've known of a couple people. But the vast majority of them say, yeah, they hate me, so fuck them. That's their attitude. Most of the the LGBT people I know say that. and those that are in relationships, they just, you know, they, they really don't have relationships that are done in ways that are fictionalized. And I, I, you know, I've seen a lot of LGBT critics out there, you know, for, you know, you know, LGBT critic of LGBT fiction. I've seen a lot of people say the same shit that I'm saying right now of how they overplay and over-dramatize certain aspects that just are not... It, it doesn't ring true. They don't treat the relationships the same as heterosexual relationships. So, having said all that, I think that Maze's relationship with Eve is pretty... I mean, it, it's, it feels legitimate. Like it, It's like how the writers handle their male and female relationships. Which isn't that great for anyone, you know? Uh, there are times where I'm screaming at Lucifer and also the detective saying, what the fuck? Right? So they're handling all of the relationships pretty equally. So 
I keep saying so a lot, but I mean, you get what I'm saying. I think that the Maze and Eve relationship is decent. Um, anyway, what else? What else about season five? I don't know. Uh, I think that some of the angels are like real asshats. You know, they they should have they should have actually openly discussed. You know, some some of their discussions toward the end to, toward that in that final episode toward the end when they're making arguments, Lucifer or even Amenadiel should have made the arguments of bigotry. Uh, we've ha- we've all had a bunch of terrible bigotry toward humans, and I had to learn my way through it. He should have made some sort of speech like that to really show the division there, and to really show why he believes that God left. And then he he should have you know their dad. He should have then said, "My family is part of Earth now," and I realized that. This is what I was meant to do. I'm not meant to lead a bunch of, you know, angels or, or bigots or whatever. I'm meant to stay here with humanity. Um, you know, to, to give them the grace that a, a distant God can't give them. Or something like that. He should have said something like that. It was like the perfect opportunity. You know, I... Instead, they, they have the bigotry against humans as a real type of one-dimensional uh, story. And Lucifer is the only one that says, I'm doing this for love. And, you know, Ezekiel uh, Z- or Zedekiah or whatever his name is, um, the righteous one, He all he says is, Lucifer, you know what the stupidest thing Lucifer said to me? He's doing it for love. Or, you know, something like that. He, he, it made me laugh. Because that's the one reason anybody should ever do this. He should have added to that speech, had maybe like a couple more sentences, and saying, our, our, you know, God, our Father, essentially, his goal or his entire existence is devoted to love. And I think all of you have forgotten that. The way you look at humans and everything else. You know, so he's the righteous one. He should be the one who's standing up for everyone's rights. I mean, that's the whole concept of being the righteous one, right? Except he doesn't really do that. So they kind of, oh God, I don't know. It's like five extra seconds or, you know, 15 seconds of dialogue. Between Amenadiel and and the Righteous One, I can't really pronounce his name. I keep it flashes by too quickly, and I and I only hear Tom Ellis say it uh, like once or twice. So the, the two angels there, where Amenadiel says, "I should." I, it took me a long time to learn my lesson, and once I learned it, I realized that my place was here with the humans. My place is here with my wife and my child, and I realize that we're all cut from the same cloth. You know, something like that. Otherwise, the angels couldn't could not have 
children with humans. Demons could not have children with humans, you know, uh, or vice versa, because if they were completely different biological species, they wouldn't be able to procreate. That's basic biological fact. And, I mean, you don't see any angels having babies with the animals, right? So, that, they should have said something. I mean, that's the way I'm viewing it. I think that that would have made for a much better storyline. But, what the hell do I know? Maybe that was discussed and they said, we want to just keep the focus short and simple on Lucifer and Chloe. Maybe they actually discussed this. Okay, guys, if you discussed it and you, and you vetoed it, 15 seconds of extra dialogue with Amenadiel and the Righteous One, just a couple extra sentences, that would have been all you would have needed to add more weight to Lucifer being God because, uh, you know, of, of that whole, of all the reasons surrounding it, you know, and I don't know. I just, I think that they missed their point of having a real, uh, a more uh, established, well-founded um, uh, disagreement between Michael and Lucifer. They, they could have defined it a little bit more and they could have cut out a little bit of some of that teenage angsty drama type of stuff that they would often fit into the show. I do have to compliment them though. They got rid of a lot of that shit once they left Fox. There, there was some aspect of writing on Fox that was, when it was on Fox, that was really into the stupid angle of people being stupid and being dumbasses and like, like teenage drama, CW type of writing, right? It's hard to explain without putting up explicit examples. So I'm glad that they have gotten rid of a lot of that shit. Like season three, I think, it was season three, was really kind of rough, especially with their mother. It was really kind of rough in a couple of episodes. There are some that I just refuse to watch. They're just, they're, they're actually legitimately bad. Um, I mean, just there's nothing good about them. Uh, it had the same type of writing as the shit you'd find on Supernatural. Uh, I, can't, I can't stand that fucking show. I can't stand how people behave. I mean, they, they don't behave like, like people. They behave like, we have to make this happen now. So there's a climax of some conflict at 15 minutes and 38 seconds after the hour. Right? That type of shit. A lot of that stuff completely removed. And I do think that it is because of um, Fox executives having some sort of influence of what they want to see at certain times. You know, the uh, formula that they will hand to the writer's room saying, we want to make sure this is here because marketing says this. Well, you know what? Get the marketing 
most of the marketing. Some marketing is pretty good to get a to get an idea of what is um, liked in general by viewers. A, a general idea, a broad idea, but marketing where you have to do certain things at certain points that make no logical sense in the script. That type of marketing is shit, right? So that type of marketing, it's very, very apparent, exists at Fox. And, you know, shows like Fox, uh, channels like Fox and CW, uh, but does not exist with Netflix streaming. Like, Netflix doesn't really do that to people. And I really like that. So I really like the changes that have been made since Lucifer left Fox. And it really shows up in a very strong and positive way with uh, this season finale. Even though I have some reservations of, of saying, hey, I would have at least stuck 15 seconds in here and taken 15 seconds out of there. Um, part of me has a coffin, throat's dry. Um, you know, so even though I would have taken, you know, moved around some 15 seconds of dialogue, added something to really define, like you could have had Amenadiel pitch his thing saying, I made the decision to step away because I believe in all of my brothers and sisters. And although Lucifer, yeah, a few centuries ago, he said, piss all. Dad, I want your seat. And, and Dad was like, fuck you, Lucifer. And Lucifer was like, oh, fuck you. And Dad said, shit, man, who are you talking to? Boom. Right? We could have had that conversation. Uh, that's just me. <laughs> it's, it's a good thing I'm not writing that, right? Uh, you know, Menadiel could have said that, could have said, um, I realize now it's not my place, no matter how highest all of you seem to be, you know, seem to think of me, I realize that my place is with my family right now. And Lucifer's, he has a different view He on a lot of situations. You know, and I realize that humanity needs me there, and the universe needs Lucifer up there. You know, and uh, he could have made, or, you know, something like that. You could have had Michael respond by saying, how dare you think that a bunch of monkeys are, are anything compared to us? Even Lucifer couldn't stand humanity, you know, and yet now he suddenly turned a new leaf or something like that. They could have had that type of discussion back and forth. And they could have had the, the righteous one saying, it's not righteous to, or, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, our, it's not our position to judge creation. That are, uh, you know, of our father. It, God, he never said anything terrible about humans. They may not be as strong as us. They may have different lives than us, but they're all valuable and they're love. You know, there's love. You know, or something like that. He could, and he could say, that's the righteousness of my, uh, you know, of, of what, you know, th that's the most righteous choice or whatever. He could have said something like that. See, I'm just spitballing here ideas of how they could play it off. And then Michael could have said something like, well, you know, who, who agrees with them? See, 15 seconds, maybe 20 seconds. 
pop, 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 face off. And you could show that a lot of angels have some doubts. A lot of angels, you know, in between the speeches, kind of looking back at each other. And then, of course, they're only following, uh, most of them are only following, following Michael because he threatens to kill them. But that's not very righteous, you know? Um, I don't know. Uh, that's my only complaint. So, 20 minutes in to this interview, uh, not interview, uh, review, what do I think? Yeah. Nearly five out of five for the entire season. I don't think any season can be five out of five. Unless it's only like six episodes, right? Uh, all seasons have their have their hang-ups. You know, they're bad episodes. But, I mean, overall, production value, acting value, uh, direction, you know, special effects, sound, music mixing, all those. Like, I think the only thing that I'm not sticking at a five-star is uh, the scripting. Oh, and Tom Ellis, you can't do an American accent. Oh, God. Yeah. There's always something with a British man or woman trying to do an American accent, and they hit that one flat note in their vowels, to, and it's because they, they try to stop the vowel from hitting up into the British. Oh, God. Sorry, Tom. I'm taking off three, three stars for that. So you get a two-star for your American accent. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, I mean, yeah, it, 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 there are some times, some words that that Tom Ellis has said that where I I just oh god, it hurts. It hurts. It's precious. It hurts. Um, so that is uh, that, and just a portion, a couple portions of the script. I will tell you though, the script made me cry. It made me cry. I don't care if you make fun of me. It made me cry. Two spots. Dan dying. It made me cry. Alright? It was even my favorite character. It made me cry. And you know who else made me cry? Linda's story with her with her um with her daughter. It made me cry. It made me cry because I've always been a sucker for that. You know, some people may not know Unsolved Mysteries, one of my most, one of my favorite shows of all time. Unsolved Mysteries. They went out there to change a lot of adoption laws, a lot of secrecy laws that were in states like New York. If you watch their shows, you see that a lot of the states that that uh, where you had a lot of uh, people who were adopted struggling to find the families because their families were broken up by a terrible social worker. Those states had some child labor laws in the 1900s, uh, late 1800s, that thrived on kidnapping children, essentially is what it was. Legalizing kidnapping children, and then those industries paid heavily for politicians to pass laws that prohibited uh, adopted, uh, you know, uh, biological parents and adopted out children from finding their parents or their kids or their siblings. And New York is one of the worst offenders of that system. And it was all based off of child labor. Yes, slavery existed after 1865. That 
really was slavery. And they created an entire system of hiding adoption uh, and all that shit from, uh, you know, adoption information from people. Well, this show takes place in California. California didn't really have those issues as much. Um, And Unsolved Mysteries, because they did a segment called Lost Loves, and the vast majority of them were adoption cases, or they broke through those barriers by advertising people saying, the system has failed these people. Unsolved Mysteries and those stories changed American politics in the 80s, the 90s. And a lot of laws that were upwards of a century old were uh, lawmakers were forced to take them off the books. Social systems, social worker systems were forced to be changed. So anything that deals with adoption and that type of thing has me in tears. If it's a good story. And Linda's story had me in tears. It was Niagara Falls, to quote Mike Myers from Saturday Night Live. Niagara Falls! Ah, clumped. <laughs> if anybody gets that message. Or, or not message, that reference. So, Linda's story, five out of five. Maze's story, three and a half out of five. Lucifer, Amenity, oh no, Amenity's story, four and a half out of five. Um, Lucifer and Chloe's story, oh, it bounces around. Sometimes it's five out of five, sometimes it's three out of five. But you know what? At the end of the day, is a solid story. I don't like the idea of the angels disappearing completely when they're killed, though. they got to appear somewhere. They've got souls. I don't get that. I don't get that at all. Anyway, so you guys have a good day. It's 25 minutes, or 26 minutes of me gushing over one of my favorite shows of all time. Can't wait for season six. Uh, season five is definitely the the best season so far of Lucifer. Uh, season four was pretty damn good too. But uh, season five is the best so far. Uh, you know, which is which is really good. A step up from like the end of season two at the beginning of season three. Uh, I think the only thing I didn't really like in that one storyline was the Kane Kane storyline. I didn't really like that one. It's kind of stupid. But um, you know, so there are parts with their mother Lilith and Kane. You know, those two storylines throughout the years they just weren't that great. Um, but anyway. So, season five, definitely top of the series, and I hope season six does not disappoint. Even if season six doesn't top season five, if it's at least above season three, I'm, I'm down with it. Uh, it'll, it'll definitely be uh, one of the best TV shows to have ever been. So, thank you for listening to me rant and ramble. I hope all you guys take care. Have a wonderful day.